Xbox is changing it up. And our latest PS5 predictions. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you guys lucky 146. 146, that is correct. Uh, if you are f- not familiar with us, we are uh, a PlayStation-based co- podcast, but we do talk about the competition, be it on the console manufacturer's side, be it from uh, Xbox and Nintendo, but also... Uh, from the game side of it all, of course, with uh, the publishing arm of PlayStation as well. So we talk about EA, Ubisoft, and all that, and everything that kind of pertains to PlayStation. And when you're in a gaming industry like that, that's uh, pretty much everything. Uh, so with that said, uh, we do, of course, t- talk about everything. Some people find that odd. That's just what we do. It's what we've been doing, and we enjoy doing it. And it seems like the audience that we have uh, doesn't mind it. So... Anyway, with that in mind, you can find us in video format over on YouTube where you can watch us ramble on in this lovely set uh, and and look at us do dumb things occasionally uh, that you would only see if you were watching us. Uh, Or you can go over to podcast services, be it iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, uh, and you can listen to us on carpool or anything like that um, on the way to work, while you're sitting at work, while your boss is yelling at you, all those fun things. Uh, Anyway, we are going to eventually, when we get to the main topic of the show, we are going to be talking about um, a big change that uh, Microsoft has announced that I, I don't know so much that it's a change so much as it's um, bringing back something that they kind of mentioned earlier this gen that a lot of people were curious if they were going to follow through with. We'll get that in a little bit, uh, but the counter of that is kind of what we expect to see Sony do with the PS5 in contrast uh, to what Microsoft's doing, and maybe even in similar uh, range to what contrast uh, to what Microsoft is doing. Uh, but before we get into that, we are going to start this show off the right way, and that is, very simply, Saul, what you been up to, what you been playing? I have not played a whole lot this week. This week is kind of the exact opposite of the previous two or three weeks, where more recently I've been playing a lot of games uh, thanks to Games Pass. Um, I did start up Mass Effect yesterday for the little bit of time I actually had at home. Yeah. Um, uh, For the little bit of time that I had at home. Uh, And that game, man, I just, I I remember it running pretty poorly. And it still doesn't run the best, but it's still, man, it's just, I enjoyed that game, flaws and all, and it's just one of those things where nostalgia glasses were a little tinted there, but I will say that... Yeah, that game is a little rough around the edges. Just I, a little bit, yeah. Now, the one thing is, is I don't know how it got patched up on, PA, on, on 360. I know that a better performing and working version came out on the PS3 very late in the PS3's life cycle. See, I'm when not they entirely, finally got... I'm not entirely sure it was better performing on PS3. It may not I don't, I don't remember that. Uh, but what I should say is that when it came to PS3, they, they aimed to address some of the problems during the porting process. Um... From what I remember, I actually could be wrong on that, um, but I know that the the wait to get it on PlayStation took a long time. I mean, we didn't get it until after Mass Effect Three came out, and you got it as part of the Mass Effect bundle, essentially like the trilogy. Yes, so I you, actually had it. I remember there was when I lived at the Links. You you uh, you were over there one day. And I was playing. That's right. It, you were playing Mass Effect Two. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, you were. It was either it was it was it was one of them for sure. Uh, even though I've never replayed Three. So 
I never played three either, <laughs> but I didn't care for one and I really enjoyed two. And then uh, three, I don't know why I never even tried it. I just lost interest. And then of course we all know Andromeda happened. Yeah. Um, I definitely did not like Andromeda, but it's weird. Cause and the more and more that I played one and two, and then was hyped for three. The demo for three came out and something just felt weird about it. And I don't really know what, um, two even kind of felt a little different where it focused more on action than it did the RPG aspects of the game. And it Which wasn't is... a bad thing at all, but it was, just, it was different. And then when three came around, it felt like three fully embraced everything about two and lost a lot of stuff that one was good about. Almost, actually to kind of segue this into a very similar series and, and, and problems for me and within a series, I downloaded halo five on Friday and mm. tried that again. No, the campaign is just terrible. And Halo, for me, has always been a mainly multiplayer game, but with a really, really good supplemental campaign uh, experience with it, too. And that's the problem, is that 3's campaign fell off. Halo 4's campaign actually brought it back, which is a very uh, unpopular opinion there. But for many, it lost it in the multiplayer, so... Yeah, yeah. and then and then 5's, the, everybody says the multiplayer's the greatest thing, but then the campaign was... It, it just suffered... And for me, I did not like Files multiplayer. It was way too polished looking. Their new engine is is terrible looking. It's almost like all the textures are shiny with no textures. It's really weird. I think I've showed you a picture of it before, and it looks like Forge maps or something, but it's actually multiplayer maps from in the game. But, yeah, it's just it's one of those things that as the series goes on, even in a trilogy, there can, there can be a spark that is lost even within the second to third part of the trilogy for me. And that's kind of what happened. It took longer for Halo, but it did the same thing for Mass Effect. And it's just weird trying to revisit those games. And I, was, I had to force myself to play through the first mission of Halo 5. And then I got to the second mission, and I was just like, you know, this game's never been about a, a, like a four-man team, four team going down. Like, Reach made sense, because they were, you know, the, the story behind Reach made sense. It just takes away, like, you're supposed to be a Spartan. You're supposed to be cool. Why, is, now do I, why do I now need three other people with me to kill these enemies? Why can I not just do it solo? So, yeah. it's just, eh. Um, but What's funny about that, though, before you move on, just because it's in my mind, uh, you're talking about um, Mass Effect, and that's specifically Bioware. And interestingly enough, same generation, very similar time frame around them as they were two interweaved games, kind of. Um, the Dragon Age franchise started around the same time as the Mass Effect franchise, and it had all the same stuff that you're talking about. It started as a very RPG-heavy game, uh, and then with the second games, it was like there was an odd shift in focus to being more action-filled. Did you play Dragon Age 2? I didn't play. I played Origins. Okay, that's the first one. Okay. Dragon Age Origins. Yeah, so I, you, I didn't you know play how, much of it at all. Okay, so Origins play style was like you start attacking and the game just continuously attacks for you. It's more like a Baldur's Gate style. That's, um, that's kind of how like Not So Republican stuff is. Sure. Now, so when you go from that uh, to the second game, the second game is fun for the combat. I'll give it that, uh, even though it had some other problems. But the combat completely changed to a f completely real-time setup to where you control. And I, I, if I'm remembering right, I didn't beat two. If I'm remembering right, I don't think you control everybody in the party like you could in the first game. You could dynamically switch between characters. Uh, I think in two, you were always your main created character. Um, though I could, like I said, I could be wrong on that. But it's, it's, again, it was very similar. To, it's almost like that's the story of last gen. Dead Space comes out, uh, is, is entirely 
I, you know, glued to the idea of trying to be a horror game, survival horror game. And then the second game comes out and it follows the same trajectory that devil may cry. I mean, devil may cry that resident evil five followed where it's like, okay, now you're trying to be a little bit more action packed. And then by the third game, you're you're very action oriented, yeah. And it's like each of those trilogies had a, or I wouldn't say trilogy, but could, for Dragon Age, but you could technically consider it one in the sense of you have Origins two and then uh, Inquisition all in one generation, uh, and how different each game was. But you saw that in a lot of games, even games that were not RPGs, um, or some are you know even the horror games. Resistance one came out and had co-op and all these different things, a weapon wheel. And then due to a very small group of people online and at the time internet was so different, Insomniac overly focused on internet criticism that they were seeing instead of listen, like looking at sales and, and kind of listening at a more broad sense. They made a lot of sweeping changes for Resistance 2 that while being a fantastic game that I still love is like the outlier of the series because by the time you get back to Resistance 3, they brought back most of the things that people liked about the first game, which is very similar to Inquisition yeah, for Dragon Age. I can see that. And, and I even tried Dragon Age 2. And that's why that's one reason I want Resistance to make a comeback because I never fully got to experience those games. Um, but I tried Dragon Age. Dragon Age felt like a... And, and granted, I think I, I picked it up like two ninety nine or three ninety nine, four ninety nine, somewhere in that price range. Less than ten. No, no, or Inquisition. Inquisition. Yeah. yeah, Inquisition. I picked that up like last year. Um, it just it felt so dated, and it and I know that that game is is what four years old now, maybe five. Yeah, it was a cross gen game. Uh, so I think it was twenty fourteen. So should be I guess five or six years now. Yeah, and that's just it's one of those things that like even though I I, I can and understand that with that game and 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 take that into mind while playing it. It's just something that I didn't. It, it it just pushed me off the game, and it's so janky. Like Bioware has always had a decent amount of jank in their games. This like showcased everything they had. It was so like that. That is a poor example of what a cross gen game should have been. Did like you, most of them? Most of them were. Did you play on PC or on console? PS4. Just curious. Yeah. Because uh, I've actually never played the game on console, but I did play it on PC because that's where I had it. And it was still a little janky, but I have a feeling it's likely more janky on consoles. Just because. Yeah. You know, by mean, nature of, of, of trying to bring something like that down. Uh, but also, I don't know, maybe control systems or what. But, I mean, you're not wrong. There's a lot of people that love that game and it sold very well. Uh, and it was a return to form for a lot of people when Dragon Age 2 kind of dri- dipped off. Um, and, of course, that's why there's such a hype behind Dragon Age 4 that's coming. It's just an interesting thing to note that it shouldn't really be considered surprising that developers make changes. It's just how easy is it to keep an identity for something and not have to make sweeping changes while still doing something that's in line but different. And I feel like a lot of the time these games stumble off in one direction in a way that whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. It's it's more that it feels like it's not necessarily in line with the rest of the series. And that happens with almost every series eventually, or the series as a whole slowly evolves to that new thing, which I at least think is a little more natural to go to where it seems like with each game you're taking steps to make it something different, but that's because whether or not it's on purpose, you at least see that there's a consistency. It's always weird to me when one game does something and then the other game has to bounce back from it because it's like, oh, well, we need to be more like the original game than we were with the sequel so that people will come back and really enjoy I it for what it is. It's just, it's interesting that it ends up that way. So Yeah. Um, um, but other than that, like I, I still, I still been playing my staple Slay the Spire. Um, 
on my couch pretty much daily, if not every other day. And I restarted up Dark Souls Remastered last night, um, just mainly because I finally got home at around six-something, and we were having a couple drinks, and or I was having a couple drinks, and we're going to go get food uh, within the next hour or so, but I didn't want to just sit there and watch Netflix or something. I wanted to do something to keep my hands busy. And Dark Souls was pretty much my fallback on that on the Switch. So I mentioned, I heard you, or I saw you rather, talking about it on the Discord. So you started it on Switch? Yeah, it's it's the second time I've started it. And once I got used to the controls, something I really noticed with it in the past couple of the day and this morning that I was playing it is that what I, I really like about this version is that it is not as polished as the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One version is mm-hmm. in the sense of a remaster polish. This game has this, the same natural charm that the very first one had. Even just, even in its rough edges? Yeah, it, and well, I would uh, no, not really. Um, I wouldn't even classify a lot of rough edges graphically in, the dark, in Dark Souls 1. Um, well, I guess I should say, because I was actually going to ask you about that. When I saw you type that, I was wondering what you meant by that because, of course, from what I've heard from a lot of people, there's a lot of good that that Dark Souls Remastered brought to the PS4 and Xbox One versions when coming up, but you're saying that the, that this one's more like the original that's just brought up with a with a slightly higher resolution and better frame rate or something like that. Uh, I'm I, I'm trying to understand what differences are there in comparison. To- it's it's pretty much the, the main difference is is that the text is way easier to read. It's more clear on the Switch and. It's polished, but it's not overly polished and bright, kind of like the console versions are. Um, like, it didn't get the same shiny treatment. It didn't get the same fire treatment. But the fire looks better than it did on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. But not quite as good or different, it, at it least, different, as yeah. it does on the Because it still looks good, especially in handheld mode. Um, but it's a, it's a very stable 30 frames. And I don't know if it's 60 frames on dock. Uh, or not, but uh, I don't. I, I, this new switch that I have, I'm probably not gonna play it docked at all, unless I'm doing a let's play or something. I'm not gonna. I haven't set my dock up for it. Yeah, I have. I mean, my dock set up just for when the girls are playing Mario Party, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's interesting. You bought it physically. I mean, digitally. I assume, right? Yeah, it's very rare that I buy a digital game. The only digital game that I have for Switch is is. Text Blaze until I bring me back Link's Awakening. Physical, you mean? But yeah, yeah. Text Blaze until I bring me back Link's Awakening if he's done. Um, but yeah, I have Link's Awakening and Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is not mine; it's Annie's. But uh, Link's Awakening is something I'm like I told you to tell him to trade it. I'm going to trade it in and see like what I need to get. Um, you know, and I've talked about that at Link's before too. Even even last time I went into our GameStop to get a gift card, I was harassed. You were harassed? Yeah. <laughs> okay. A, it was annoying. Uh, yeah, I remember you telling me that story. Uh, that's cool. Well, what have you been playing? Um, I Platinum Need for Speed Heat yesterday. It had the problem that I don't know why they chose to do this because I don't remember this in the other two games. Uh, there were two online-based trophies that were more or less the same problem I had whenever they had the, uh, the situation going on with D- uh, Destiny where they put trophies that are mostly out of your own control where they, it relies too much on someone else. So those two trophies are 25 races with other players. But the way the game works, you go up to a race, you come to it, and you say, okay, excuse me, you say, I'm going to do this race, uh, and I'm going to challenge all. And essentially, the people who are on the in the online world with you, which there's eight of you in, in per instance in that city, they have to agree. 
to race you essentially, and then it'll pull them in, and at least one other person in your map has to do it. I hate stuff like that. And so the much. problem is, is that it just left me for a number of hours, kind of sitting there, backing up, going to a race, starting it, hitting wait for all, and then seeing if someone was going to go ahead and do it. After I try it for about three or four times, and if I didn't get a bite at all, and I would change races that way in case it was like, oh, the people don't want to race it because they don't want that race. Uh, I would go around, and then after about three or four times of getting nothing, I would have to back out all the way, go back to the lobby, redo online so that I could get a new set of people. And that was essentially where it was at. Um, it's kind of a pain in the butt. I don't really like those. The other one is a crew-based trophy, where when you start the game, the game automatically puts you in a crew with some other people. And because of the way they want the online to work, your crew level is based off of the rep that you earn. And the problem is, I don't know if it's because the majority of the crew that I got put into were people that were already done with the game, so they just weren't continuing to go and there was no new blood really being put into it. I was pretty much the only person getting any rep, so it was going to take me forever to get from level 30. I started at level, when I first started paying attention, I was level 30. I managed to get to level 36, and I was like, I can't keep doing this to get to level 50. So finally, when I I raced against someone, came about it, and then realized, hey, I'm going to click their profile, saw that they were in a level 50 crew, messaged them, said, hey, do you mind? This is the only only trophy I need for platinum. Would you mind just entering me into your – and he was the leader, thankfully. So I was like, hey, do you mind inviting me and letting me get in? Pop the trophy, bang, bang. Uh, on a different note, because I've decided to uh, look at games that I might be interested in replaying, I haven't started it yet, but I decided to re-download, or actually finally download, the PS4 version of The Stick of Truth, um, because I haven't played the game since 2014 when it came out on PS3, um, and the PS3 version ran very poorly, so with the PS4 version, I'm hoping to play a version that's a lot more stable, doesn't have the, uh, I'm not going to say frame drops, but essentially the buffer moments where it stops you from moving completely as it tries to load into the next little bit that's going to play through. Uh, so I want to see if I can do that and grab the platinum for it. Uh, I don't know yet if I'll stick with it. It's just one of those things. I think I will though, cause that game's just old enough and I haven't played it in long enough that I've, I remember a lot of the main beats, but I don't remember them so well that replaying it will feel like I'm like monotonous. Yeah. So I'm going to try that again. And, uh, last night though, I decided to finally hop in since I got that one X, uh, and play gears five and, I don't like the way Gears 5 chooses to start. It won't let you just go directly into the campaign. You have to do a tutorial thing that's not part of the campaign. It's completely separate. And it's like, hey, before you go into the campaign, we want you to try this game mode so you can get up to date with the with the way the game plays. I don't really love that move. And they probably they probably phrased it as like a boot camp or something. Kind of. Like, yeah, yeah, you're like, going through. Hey, okay. soldier, you haven't been in battle in a while. You need to take this boot camp or this, I'll give them this. safety route. It's to- a little more than that. So instead, there's the DBs, which is robots in that world. Uh, you, as a as you know, one of the soldiers, are going in there, and the do- the guy who's doing it is using you to get data from you so that he can use your data to implant into the DB so that they can be better fighters or whatever you want to call it. So you're going through and killing some of these robots and whatnot so that they can learn how to move and act like you. But it just ends up acting like a retread of mechanics, all of which I remembered from the last time I played Gears. Um, Same problem with Gears 4 I'm having here, though, so far. I don't really know. Gears has got some fun gameplay, but the rest of it, the biggest thing I think Gears has against it for me, and it always kind of has, it wasn't so prevalent during the PS3 and 360 era, but you remember when all Unreal Engine 3 games 
looked exactly like Gears of War because that was just like the telltale sign yeah. of that engine. People with kind of glossy looking surfaces. Almost every character for some reason had to be a blocky buff dude. And I mean, you see that in every game. Batman, Unreal Engine game, looked just like that. And that's become a staple of what you expect to see from Batman now. Um, it goes so far that Alice Madness Returns was an Unreal Engine 3 game because it was just a de- it was a good engine to work with. Um and they had to go through crazy extents to try and hide the Unreal Engine look from that game, and you still noticed it a little bit. Um, but in that game, what I didn't, what I just ugh about it. And tell me that doesn't look like an Unreal Engine map. <laughs> yes, it does. Very shiny, yeah. lack of textures. Yeah, and see, that's the thing about it that's weird is Gears Five is crisp. It's in 4K. It runs at a great frame rate. Is it, it native had- 4K? Mm-hmm. Is it native 4K? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. And it, it runs fantastically. I mean, it really does. And it looks great and it has pretty high resolution textures. But all of that doesn't really matter when you have the most run-of-the-mill generic look of an art style. It's like that game just seems so uninspired. And all of them have. But because times have changed so much and that Unreal Engine look is kind of going in the past, they're not doing enough to stylize on top of it to make it look different to me. And I understand that that's the series look identity yeah it's 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 visual identity but it gets to the point where it kind of is like i feel like you need to do some kind of a pass or something on it to give it a little bit more look and atmosphere i don't know i'm not too far in the game maybe it gets there eventually with the snow uh climates i don't know if i'll be able to c- continue playing the game though i was kind of just disinterested last night but we will see um outside of that i did play some smash and unlock some characters so that i could uh fight Kiki and uh, Crash later tonight. I still haven't unlocked my main, though, even though I'm doing the quick unlock method. There's just so many characters. It's hard to get. Even if you're doing the quick method, having to do that like 70 times to get all the characters is a pain in the butt. So, anyway, that's where we're at. Uh, Before we head off into the news section, (laughs) we are going to go into the community's take, which actually was... uh, more of a call out to get some feedback from you guys over what to do with the news section since we had mentioned that we might change it based off of what feedback was. Uh, so we asked, do you enjoy the news section? Why or why not? Uh, and across the board, I was actually a little overwhelmed. Not one person said they didn't like it. And it kind of led to the thing. So when me and Saul were kind of talking about it, we were going through the thing of people who are listening to this, what are the chances that they're already scouring the news and looking at the news and they know it? So is there any value in them getting it from us? And what I learned from most of the people on here is that they don't keep up with news in the same fashion as we do. And because of that, they use the show to get the news. And for the other people that kind of keep up with the news and see the occasional thing, across the board, everybody also just likes getting our opinion on the news pieces. So you've spoken and I've heard no one wants it to go away. At least no one that was vocal enough to want to say anything about it. So it's going away. So it's (laughs) going away forever. No, it's, uh, it's, it's still here and we'll continue going with it. Uh, but I think every now and then I'm going to use the community's take section to kind of get feedback from the show. I like that idea and it worked out. Uh, and it's, I think it's a good way to give a call to action to kind of get people who normally wouldn't say much, uh, to, to come out and express their opinion. Can we hit a call to dominoes? I'm, I'm starving. (laughs) I bet you are, Saul. <laughs> I won't get to eat for another like two hours at Man. minimum. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, but anyway, going to move over into the news now since it's uh, a concrete fixture of this show as it always has been and will so forth remain. First thing up is that Insomniac are ringing in the new year in style following in the other PlayStation First Party Studios treatment. The recently acquired studio revealed its new office moving forward. Uh, I'm not surprised. Uh I, the only thing about that that's interesting is that Insomniac has got a lot of teams, so there's a lot of people. Um, 
I don't know exactly where their original studio was and how many people it housed. And they do have a, a satellite studio, like a remote studio that's not part of the main branch that still does work on games. Um, but this is just interesting. And, and it seems like Sony is doing a lot to try and prepare and keep their first-party studios ready for the moving forward. And that's expanding. I mean, we're seeing, you know, Gorilla got into a new studio. San Diego got into a new uh, studio. Santa Monica got into a new studio. We saw that with Sony Bend. So we're seeing the treatment across the board. You know who deserves a new studio? Brands make a new studio. Who's that? Hello Games. I mean, that's probably true, but they're also not a first-party studio. Nope. Unless. <laughs> I'll say, no, Sony needs to pick them up. That'd be really interesting because that would be Sony's way to bring in a studio that's already there in a games as a service thing, you know? Kind of games as a service. Well, I mean, it's games as a service without what people, most people think of. You don't have to pay for any of the service. <laughs> no, I think it's just fixing his past mistakes. <laughs> well, yeah, but they've gone far beyond that. Oh, they have. The game is far beyond, like, you know, the three updates in, that, that would have been the game they promised at launch. Have you ever watched Internet Historian? On YouTube? I guess not. He's a British guy. Maybe he's Australian. I, I can't think of his voice right off the top of my head. But he does uh, essentially like these. Anytime there's a big story on the internet, if it's something he likes, he'll cover it. Like he did Fallout 76. He did stuff like that. and okay. made a bill, long video about it. Um, he did one about No Man's Sky. And he named it um, Yes Woman's Land or something like that. Because it's a complete opposite of what it launched <laughs> as now. Yeah. And that video is an hour long. And that video is hilarious. And it is amazing. He, like he shows you at, at why it was criticism was needed and pretty much what Sean did. And, and he, he, I did not know this, but Sean apparently took all of the complaints, mean tweets and everything and routed him to his phone. And then on his computer, he made folders, whether it was valid criticisms, memes, uh, people who like to complain and he dragged them all in there. And then he took the, the actual complaints and made spreadsheets on what he needed to fix with the amount of complaints on that subject first. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So versus what the team could reasonably do as well, like kind of go through and be like, well, this is, this well, is I high think, on the list I and think, it's a little easier to implement than the highest thing on the list. I you think know? that the team could implement pretty much anything they wanted in the game that we got. It's just a time. Well, that's what I mean is that because you want to try and keep a uh, a somewhat steady thing of updates, definitely when yeah. your game launches in a poor state. So I think it goes well. What's the what's the easiest thing that's also highest on the list? Like, is that game on Xbox? Yeah, I'm actually not surprised that's not a Games Pass title. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't think it is at least. No, it's not. I, yeah. I went through Games Pass yesterday. It is definitely on Xbox though. Yes. Okay. All right, next thing up on the news, unlike last year's Resident Evil 2 remake that remained faithful to the original in most regards, Capcom have went on record stating that the remake of 3 would feature more changes to the original. Uh, a new article in the latest official PlayStation Magazine details these changes with some mechanics being dropped completely or changed. The game's Mercenaries mode, first and foremost, has been removed completely in favor of the Resident Evil Resistance, which was that RE Resistance project thing uh, that is being included that we were shown during the announcement uh, of, of Resident Evil 3. Alongside that, another removal is the choice-based events that allowed you to change the story, which takes with it the original's extra endings based upon those decisions. Uh, so if you like those, those will be gone in favor of a more finite ending story that everyone sees. Uh, other changes include Carlos being a playable character and the city being a much more wide linear experience than Resident Evil 2's fairly corridor-based setup. Uh, so unlike the original where it was very similar to Resident Evil 2 where it's a bunch of corridors, this is not open world, but it's a much more open game. Uh, probably more 
I don't know necessarily say I want to go to an open hub. I don't necessarily go, think it's even that big. I think it's just God, instead of keeping you constantly in corridors and moving through, even when you get outside of the police station in Resident Evil 2, you're still just in a series of corridors. So kind of like Resident Evil 4? Kind of. That game's pretty open for that game's, what it is. Yeah, that game is pretty open while still being linear. Yeah. So, but I, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll just have to kind of play the wait and see game. Uh, but I like that idea because as much as I enjoyed, and I really hope that mo- this does the same thing as Resident Evil 2, where it's load the whole game at once and never have to load it again. If it's going to be this much bigger, I do worry that it may end up with the problem of having to load constantly. Um, or at least more often in a way that after playing Resident Evil 2, we'll kind of feel like, oh, oops. But we'll see. Uh, you know, we're, we are coming into the end of a gen where I'm imagining loading will be such a small issue going into the next gen yeah. that it's going to be that I, I really think that's going to be something that we we won't immediately think about. But looking back when we go to like actually play a PS4 in like four years from now, we're going to be like, whoa, I can't do I this. wasted so much of my time. Actually, a lot. Loading. I did start up a, another game. Um yesterday morning before we got on our duties did crazy load times make you think of it think of one game that has crazy load times there's plenty bloodborne oh yeah well Even, i thought bloodborne's cut down a lot it, it's still not great they put in lore screens which kind of make it go by faster yeah but they went from like a 30 second screen of just bloodborne no, no, to no, like no, no, eight no, no, seconds no. right no 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 they went from like a two minute screen of bloodborne going sure. to like 30 seconds of lore it's really? still like 30 seconds. Wow. Okay. Well, I haven't played the game in a long time. So like, I just booted it up because I'm like, I, st- I want to do us all plays in the near future. I'm like, I don't know what game I want to do. So like, let me play. Let me get a vibe and see, hey, I could do this. I can knock this game out on a Saturday yeah. easily and, and, and do that. But Well, at one point in time, you were speedrunning Bloodborne pretty um, efficiently. So Six hours, I think, was my best time beating yeah. Bloodborne. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll have another one of those weekends now that I'm slowing down where we can uh, come through and have a play a fun through. Saturday night. Yeah. yeah, I'll actually. I'll tell you what. Let's schedule that. Uh, let's let's do a Dark Souls one full play. I'll do that. Okay. We'll do that soon. We'll work on that. Uh, anyway, rumors and reports are coming in that PlayStation might be skipping E3 again this year with Xbox apparently operating under the assumption that PlayStation will not be there and ramping up their show accordingly. Sony have yet to comment. Now this is a rumor. And you kind of have to go through this. Some of these are predictions. Michael Pachter, uh, a famous uh, analyzer or analyst, um, also said this. That doesn't mean anything. He's often wrong. <laughs> and a lot of people don't care for him. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, I don't necessarily know. Sony's not been too forthcoming on whether or not they're going to go back to how they used to do things. Uh, but if the fact of the way they're choosing to show the PS5 stuff off is anything, I think that they are perfectly comfortable playing things their own way. Um, so whether you agree with this or not, it might end up being true. The, uh, we'll get to it a little bit under the, when we start talking about our predictions, but yeah, that's, it's interesting to hear either way. Uh, next up though, as many have likely seen the CES tease that Sony was teasing was not the future of its console business. Uh, but that doesn't mean PlayStation skipped the event completely in a rather tepid movement or move in comparison to the reveal of the series X, um, box uh, over at uh, the game awards that xbox chose to do jim ryan came to the stage to talk about numbers and some other stuff and then lastly the only thing that related to the ps5 was actually the ps5's logo that follows the tried and true stylings of the late ps3 and ps4 generation which itself was an iteration of the ps2 and psp logos uh jim ryan's reasoning for the similarity was that it was quote important to give off a sense of consistency for products with the playstation brand it is a must for anyone who sees the logo to immediately and positively think that's playstation uh 
in a wild turn of events, despite the fact that online there's a lot of people who are kind of criticizing them for just showing a logo and, and what I think many are thinking is supposed to be a response to Xbox showing off the box at games uh, at the I, Game Awards. I doubt it's a response. But yeah, I, I really don't I think I saw it more people angry with people who were saying that, oh, you thought the logo was going to be different? People weren't upset because the logo wasn't different. People were upset because that's the only thing they showed of it. Yeah, but the crazy thing is that the logo became, on Instagram, the most liked thing posted by a video yeah. game company in 48 hours. Yeah, it was like it got uh, so almost, clearly, a mil- almost a million, wasn't it? Re- it was pretty high. I, don't I think it was 800,000 or 500,000. But 000. regardless, it goes to show that I guess this is more of a proof of how sometimes when you're in little bubbles of the internet, you think one way about something and then you go somewhere else and be like, clearly that doesn't line up with what everyone else thinks. Uh, I think it goes to show is regardless of the more hardcore people on either side of the aisle um, that are saying different things. I think it goes to show that for the more casual person, the fact that this is getting so many likes, I think that this speaks testaments to exactly what Sony's talking about. I think that there's a lot of people who saw that and will go, yes, that's PS5. That's exactly what I, you know, it's like in their mind, because they're not so constantly invested for the more person who's a little more casual than us, it makes more sense they to see it and go, cool. That's exactly, that, that, yeah, that's, that's cool. Maybe so, yeah, but I do disagree with what he said about like, bam, you know it's PlayStation. You're going to know it's PlayStation regardless of the logo. I think what The he, same way Nintendo. I think what he Xbox. means by that is whenever you have such a big, there's actually a really interesting thing that was going around um, about streaming and just general idea of a brand of what a lot of people don't think about with a brand. And a lot of that comes down to visual identity. And it's not saying that you can't see it and go, well, I still know that's PlayStation because I can read and I'm not an idiot. And I know what the PlayStation logo is uh, in terms of like the general PlayStation logo, not the PS5 logo. But it comes down to the thing of when you have a consistent style that you're using. uh, And I'll even say this. As much as Microsoft is making a lot of changes, what's the one thing they've kept that they started this gen? Do you remember? This gen? Mm-hmm. X? I don't know. Yeah, the Xbox symbol being in the big, slightly backwards slanted uh, green bubble with, with Xbox One under it. That Oh, I thought you were talking about just the Xbox logo. Well, and that, that has become the de facto thing that most people look at and say, that's Xbox. When the Xbox first started, that wasn't it. And even during the 360 gen, it was a very different version of that. When they got to this, they said, keep it simple, which is a lot along the lines of what PlayStation it's the, does. It's the little PNG we use for all of our yes, reactions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's just a white circle that they can put whatever color that's behind it on the background, they're overlaying yeah. it. And you always know that. They don't even have to put the words Xbox underneath it because now you know that's Xbox. Just like when PlayStation does the chung and you just see the PS symbol. Yeah. It's... It be, there is a really important factor to letting someone see something and immediately understanding what it is yeah. based off of previous experience. And, you know, it goes back to a lot of people talking about the naming convention for the Series X. Uh, I, do, I don't think it's going to be just some catastrophic problem. I think it just goes to show, show that even if most people get over it, it's a slight moment of hesitance as to what you are or aren't looking for that is absent in other places. That I think is what a lot of people look at is... I already know from working in my own situations that when you start to deviate, it confuses people. Uh, that goes very similar to the idea of, of Nintendo naming the 3DS uh, hardware re- revision, new the, the 3DS. new 3DS. Uh, it 
not that you can't get over it. It's not an insurmountable hump. It's just something that breeds moments of weird confusion and potential negativity that otherwise don't need to be there. The simpler yeah. you can keep something and let someone kind of go through. I mean, really think about this. The only time that the PlayStation logo has really changed in terms of the console logo has changed in a drastic manner was PS1. the beginning of PS3. Well, I was going to say PS1 well, or PS2. PS1 was different. Yeah, but what I should say is from the PS2 onward, it's really been the same besides that little like four-year period where Sony was using the Spider-Man PlayStation 3 logo. Uh, what was the Spider-Man font for PlayStation 3? That's still on the original PlayStation 3 fat. Uh, but when they rebranded and did the Slim, they switched back to a more curvy version of the PS2 and PSP where they were hard lines that made the PSP and PS2, uh, which made more sense because of the P and the boxy. 2 being boxy. Yeah. Um, but on this one, it's just a more curvy version of the same font, same basic idea. This means that from PS2, when Sony really would, I would, most people would consider hit their stride to the PS5, there was a clear and concise, besides the weird misstep that was PS3, and the whole beginning of PS3 was a misstep, so it's not surprising. Yeah. And you, you know, you understand it. And, and it happens with every company. Mainly we see it in phone companies, and, yes. and that is restarting the way a brand is, is branded. And what I'm really curious about is how Xbox is going to move forward with their naming. Um, since it seems like one side, they don't want to leave any console behind in terms of games and hardware, but then now the naming convention with the way Phil was saying that it almost disregards these older consoles, like the new from, from the series X on. Oh, the, yeah. This, they're trying to have this be the beginning of a new, of a standardized of naming a, convention. Yeah. So you have to start somewhere. Um, Nintendo won't ever do that. Never. <laughs> Never, ever. You have the GameCube, the Wii, the Wii U, the 3DS, the 2DS. You have so many different things. But the, I will say, <laughs> Nintendo, kind of contrary to what you said, Nintendo, a testament is against Nintendo for having such of a reputable name, That's household true. name. That's true. That no matter what, they can change the name. Oh, God. I, I don't want to say something and end up being that name because it's going to be stupid. <laughs> I was going to say the Nintendo Switch it or something. Then, yeah. you know, people are going to say, I want to switch it. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how these marketing decisions affect the companies moving forward. And I mean that across the board. There's no way to tell um, exactly how this stuff is going to happen. But regardless, moving on, following on Sony's insistence to play at their own speed, Jim Ryan also teased that the company is not quite ready to reveal PS5's unique elements and biggest differences. That was a mistake. Implying that the information that we've received thus far is the tip of the iceberg. What do you mean? That that, that statement there was a mistake. It it has... I have seen people guessing at what that meant. Oh, yeah. And it is... It, he should have never said that. I want to make sure that you weren't saying that because this was actually uh translated from yeah. a Jap japanese thing and, and so i wanted to make sure that what you were saying was not that the quote was mistranslated no because i didn't see that some people's expectations with due to that statement are way out of hand i do think that the statement is a little too vague and it does lead to a thing but at the same time i understand to an extent what they're doing do you remember a lot of the big promises that were made during the playstation meeting in february 2013 that the ps4 never really still has seen yeah what weren't they supposed to also do something with loading times back then too there's much there was supposed to be a bunch of stuff some of it we've seen and some of it we've seen in partial ways uh, one of the big things is that you were supposed to be able to download a game and we're hearing about that again this generation coming up that now whenever you go to install a game you tell it which part of the game you're installing so you go hey oh, yeah, that's a very i want to play multiplayer first yeah so install multiplayer first the console doesn't let you do that right now but what instead what it does is a game like call of duty says most people are playing this for the for the multiplayer so the first thing we're going to choose to install on the disc is the multiplayer well, Bla didn't black ops three or four 
three, I guess, because I didn't play a four. Actually, didn't I think you're right. You one option? of them, you had to install so much of the game, and then you could start the game, and then you could tell it whether you wanted to yeah. do this one. Yeah, this one's more of a, as soon as it starts downloading, you tell it how to down, what order to download so that it can download and install in that order so that while it's still downloading, you can hop in and play multiplayer once that segment's done. What I wish everybody would get on the same page with is when it says ready to play, when it's still installing. Oh, that it's actually ready to play, and that when you click on it, it doesn't continue installing on the inside of the game? Yes. Yeah. Um, I forgot what game. I think it was, it was when I tried to replay Red Dead 2, it did that to me. You know, I think what that is, is cra- and I know that it's one of those things where, do you remember when Spider-Man came out and everybody was like, this game's really big, and I can't play it because it did not let you play it until it was fully done installing? Oh, yeah, dude. I think that's, that, that was a snapping point right there besides my disk drive. Was, yeah, I'm right. going just digital. And do you, you remember that game chose to have you stay on the home screen of the PlayStation and never click in and continue installing within the game. I think a lot of people do it because it gives you the feeling of, oh, the game installed quickly, and at least it's getting you off of the home screen. Destiny's really bad about it. it. Whenever you go into a game, and then it'll be like, "Oh, before you can play, you got to watch this dumb ring fill up on the circle for you to install." Yeah, this. luckily that that screen's pretty fast. Where can be can be yeah, slow. Yeah, but, uh, but it, it still brings. It's, I think it's, it's the idea of feeling thing. like you're in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah that game. That game. Uh, Weird choices. Should never you know what I mean? A, had a day one patch and oh, date that big. I agree with you a little bit, though, in regards to Jim Ryan thing. I do think it's a little too vague and a little too promisey sounding to feel like, oh, you know what we've already told you? You don't even know what we have I else. And and it it's one of those things where I'm curious as to what it's going to be. If it's more of a feature that's going to be useful for everyone that everyone will immediately understand in a way that the term SSD does not immediately resonate with everyone. You know what, you know this, what I mean? rem- this reminds me of? What's that? Is that when uh, Phil, not Phil. Wow, Maddox. I couldn't think of his first name for a second. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I called him Phil. When he said back in like 2011 that hyped all me and my friends up about the Xbox One was, this is going to have a feature you're never going to guess. Very similar statement. It was a freaking TV box is I what mean, that feature was. To be was. fair, yeah. That, and you know what's weird is that the HDMI in is still in there where you can pull HDMI back into it. It's I still in the say, One X. And I'm so sad that the One X does not bring back the Snap split, feature yeah. for Netflix and stuff. I, I still love that. I will say somebody, due to that, due to, um, <laughs> due, to, um, <laughs> due to the uh, that feature, someone posted on Reddit a really cool setup that they haven't found a way for it to work with their uh, PS4 yet in this way. Um but they have a they have a battle station set up for all their games. They mm-hmm. have a Switch, a PS4, an Xbox, and a gaming PC. And all 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 he does is he walks in and says, "Hey Google, game time." And it, the the PC starts up. All his RGBs start up. And if it's if he says game time, it's PC. But he can say Xbox time. His RGBs go green, and then his Xbox starts up, which turns his yeah. monitor on. Um, and I think that um, I think that something that I hope that the PS5 has, because I really want to do something like that, is to be able to add that. I'm pretty sure I could just get a Google smart plug or get a smart plug that'll say, like, so I could walk in and say, hey, Google, turn the PS4 on. But it won't do all that. I don't think so, because the thing is is that the PlayStation still requires you to... It still requires you to press a power button because the PlayStation itself is not linked to it. Just turning on power to the plug is not like a light switch. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... Uh, what's interesting about that is that you know Xbox is supposed to have that feature with uh, the Cortana stuff on the um, what do they call Connect. it? Connect. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, very well could be. Uh, I don't think that the Connect 
works anymore in that way. Like I don't think it, the it works with games. I don't think it works on the OS level anymore. I don't think it does either. Uh, which is just goes to show that you could you could still do that with my PlayStation camera. Once the system's on, you can hold a button and say uh, go to blah blah blah, and it's fairly good. You could do that with a headset. Yeah, you, you don't it's have fairly to have, good. You don't have yeah, to you, have you can do it with uh, any kind of camera. Microphone. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but you've always been able to do that, and I just really don't do it. What button do you hold for that? L. Two. I always end up holding something, uh, and then that pops up a little shiny blue menu, and I'm yeah. like, I don't know what I just held. Yeah, I think it's L2. I think so, what you're probably doing is bumping it. Probably um, so. But yeah, that's that's one of those things. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see what these crazy uh, biggest difference features are and uh, unique elements. To be fair, I get what he's saying. As long as what they end up saying is unique and biggest uh, and a big difference between the PS4 and the PS5. Even if it's not something that's just drastic and major, it's still a difference and unique elements. It's just the way that he chose to say it is a little too hype. You know, it's yeah, like yeah, that's not something you just say. Yeah, and it's leave up for interesting. Uh, uh-uh. going into the next one though, Sony being an electronics business with many arms is looking at PS5 with many of their new TV plans. Similar to Sony being one of the first companies to release a 3D TV with the start of 3D gaming on PS3 and being among the first reasonably priced 4K HDR TVs when they announced their PS4 Pro, uh, it makes sense that the company is revealing plans for a TV that supports 8K 60 frames per second and 4K at 120 frames per second. Being at the forefront this early into the tech though, this is one of the biggest things I have about this, this console generation will never hit 8k well they've already supported it it's just it's there's no way it's native there there's no way that so it here will. i imagine that the games will probably run at some kind of a native 4k and no way will and the, then checkerboard up to 8k somehow 4k or 4k upscale. just got within this past year because remember last year you got the 55 inch sony mm-hmm. that was 500 dollars for a fee, or for a well that's it? been that's actually been three and a half years ago it was wild, was it? Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. <laughs> um but anyways just this past like year to year and a half i would say at the most 4k tv set finally started including hdr at an affordable level yeah and 8k right now i think um i was watching a linus tech tip video and i think that uh they were, they were talking about how the way that 8k works and everything uh and the nature of 8k so i got to googling um like five grand for an 8K TV. Oh, yeah. Bare minimum. They're very you, expensive. Like, and not only that, I was, I was telling Boba made this because he was asking about building a PC. Um, even 700 to $1,000 graphics cards have problems hitting 4K 60. If you think you can hit 8K 60, you are out of your mind. Yeah, and again, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is that they're not saying this, of course, because it just sounds, it's, it's all buzzwords. Well, that's, well, that's what I hate now, too, is that you have to throw, oh, disclaimer natively yeah yeah no it's not natively it's not 4k if it's not natively that's just it's weird interpolation 2k is all it is or anywhere in between because it can be 1800p which is not 2k it's almost like 3k still not 4k yeah it's still not 4k you're right but it's a very interesting thing that they end up doing um so yeah i i still think this is a generally good idea because i think whenever you're a company that has the ability to these tvs are going to be ridiculously priced and that's the unfortunate side of that but it still goes to show that, hey, we've got a piece of tech that says it can do this. We need to have a, a – because we have the ability to, since we have not only a console business but a TV business, we need to go ahead and put a high-end TV out for the people that want to tap into that feature on PS5. That way there's synergy because the thing that you run into otherwise is you may want to do something and say, hey, I want 8K support, but no other TV manufacturer is ready to put out an 8K TV because as far as they're concerned, it's not worth it. But for you – you look at the synergy between your two things, and the TV is going to be priced as ridiculously as it is for the few people that want it because it's kind of like the Galaxy Fold being $2,000. 
essentially, is it's not meant for general consumer use. It's meant for the people that want that tip-top experimental thing of, hey, do you want to be one of the first people that has an 8K TV? That's true. Here you are. But I sure, You're going to pay for it. I sure want to be that kind of person. I'm sure I'm not shelling $5,000 out to do so, though. Yes. Yeah, no, trust me. I get it. Uh, anyway, moving on to the next thing. Uh, WB Games Montreal, the developer behind Arkham Origins, continues to tease a new Batman game uh, with a signet that needed to be put together from two different images across two different social media platforms. The the long teased game seems ready to reveal any day now, though it's been like that for a while. Uh, but I wonder if it might be waiting for a big event, perhaps sometime in February. February. So, perhaps so like, somehow talking about the next generation of PlayStation. Somebody uh, joked saying that, that Final Fantasy VII demo will be released on, um, what was it? It was, uh, dang, it was like February 7th, because it would be February, Friday the 7th, FF7. <laughs> what's uh, funny is i think that's when this event's taking place is february the 7th are uh, you gonna call that okay so we'll, we'll see, see what happens february friday the 7th so. <laughs> and during the reveal be like oh by the way follow for the ps4 we haven't forgotten about you final fantasy 7 demo um either yeah, way right now that being slated after release is dumb or day of release it makes me wonder though how how much uh if they choose to do that and who knows they may not but if they do have another playstation meeting as they called it uh how many third party people are going to be there and how many games are we going to see at that event uh and i would imagine that at this point I doubt this we'll WB games, games would be a cross-gen game. I doubt. I hope not. Who knows, man? Cross-gen is going to be easier than ever this gen going into the last one, but it's still going to be the you you have a lowest common denominator. And that's something which I guess is something it, we'll be talking about in a minute. But. I guess that's something in my head too that like I hope not due to the sake of quality. But I guess now that when I think about it, the quality of a game coming out now from a good third party is still really high, unlike last gen where. It was variable. It was yeah. like you never knew. Some most, of them would be really good and some of them would yeah, be Yeah, most rough. reputable third parties are actually coming out with games now. So maybe it's just PTSD from the end of last generation and the beginning of this one. Like Call of Duty Ghost looking like a muddy mess on both PS4 and Xbox 360. Yeah. So maybe it, maybe I just need to warn to to channel that hatred to something else. Yeah. All right, last thing up on here, the for fans wondering how much content the upcoming Dragon Ball Z Kakarot will have to offer, the game reportedly takes around 40 hours to complete the main story, with that number going up to around 100 hours to complete all the game has to offer. And Absolutely rubbish. Just remember, the game comes out Friday, January 17th, so Friday after this comes out. Um, so, hey, who knows? I know that Josh... Um, Drago is excited for the game. I'm so cautious about it that I'm not going to play it until I get word from our, our buddy Jonathan, who thinks that the story will be good, but the gameplay will be kind of rubbish from what we've been seeing. Let, me, kind of let so. me tell you how rubbish this game is. I like that we're using rubbish like we're British, and that's a common word let, for America. Let me tell you how, <laughs> how big of a pile of trash this game is going to be at 40 hours. The entirety of Dragon Ball Z, uh -huh. the, the show is only 116 hours. This yeah. is one third of but the entire show. But you are putting gameplay into this. And that means that you have, but now don't wrong. But what are they going to put in this game to I trust make me, it dude. that long? I don't know. This I is, don't, don't ask me flying back and forth with no enemies anywhere in a barren wasteland. Yep. Just That's like, what it looks like. Just like, um, and I'm not trying Zeno, to crap or, on the game. Uh, what was it? There was a, uh, oh crap. There was a mission in, um, 
the fighting online Dragon Ball Z games that are not that old now. Xenoverse. Xenoverse. I almost said Xenosaga, but no, that is not Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different series. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it was like Xenoverse where you'd fly like through these cool cliff areas and you'd be flying for like maybe less than a minute, but still barren and you finally get to the enemy and you fight them right there. Yeah, I don't think this game's going to be good. Now, that, it's going to be worth a $20 pickup when it's on sale, but maybe. I, I know this sucks. Way too long for that For game. me, this is like on paper. Oh, oops. Anyway, for me on paper, this is like what I would have always been asking for. But it just doesn't end up kind of working that way because everything I've seen on it is kind of like. I keep it on here. Oh, cool. That's the PS2. Yeah, startup. that's actually what I was about to go into. So works but, out. Um, but for me, God of War, 35 hours. Death Stranding, I think it was like 37 hours. Why is this game longer than those two games? <laughs> Why does it need to be that long? It doesn't. This game, could, this game would be fantastic at 20 hours if they, if they did everything correctly. I don't know. I guess the other flip side of that is it would be kind of weird to go through the entire rogues gallery of DBZ villains in 20 hours. Doesn't this game stop at Frieza or does it go all the way to Cell? Or I, think, I, I think it goes all the way to Boo. But don't get me wrong, even then, 40 hours to fight every Dragon Ball main villain and try and set them up and resolve them is going to feel so rushed, I feel like. Yeah, it's on top just, of this that. This should just be two or three games all 20 hours apiece, releasing, releasing seven months apart. Ah, I don't know, man. That, that's a very give me, interesting give idea. Give me 20 hours to fight Frieza. Give me, I'd say, probably around 20 hours to fight all of them, honestly. Maybe 25 to 30 to fight Boo. Well, and you could Because Boo could, had the longest saga. Yeah, you could pull a couple. Of, so you could do the Saiyan saga and the Frieza saga all in one game 20 hours. Because that kind of makes sense. I don't count the Saiyan saga. That saga that was dumb. Yeah, but I mean, it builds into a lot of what the Frieza saga is kind of like you there used to be a time where it seemed like there was like causation to every single thing where it's like okay because vegeta came down to try and find kakarot that's how frieza, frieza became into this situation yeah uh and because of the they knowing each other now you get to the point where okay that's what you got then on the flip side of that it's like okay well then goku did that and he came back but because of this weird thing that happened trunks comes back from the future to warn about something. So there's always like a cause for everything and then eventually gets to the point of like, we're just doing stuff. Just, just give me a game stuff. where I can play as future Trunks and made up stories. That'd be cool. That would actually be kind of cool. Explore Trunks, explore Trunks future Trunks timeline. Yeah. yeah. With with like all the events. But well, it, they kind of did that in what what was that movie? It was an Android movie, I think. Yeah, was the one that Super had, Android the, 18. And it was the one that had, yeah, the and I can't remember the name of the movie, but a, Gohan had one arm and he trained Trunks did it? See, I don't remember that. Yeah, and that's I remember how, it took place in like a barren wasteland in the beginning of a city, and that yeah. was Trunks' and Andro and the androids world. were destroying the. Yeah, the that's world. what yeah. it was. No, it's okay. a great movie. I can't remember the name of it either. Um, great movie though. Uh, anyway, that's the end of the news for now and for this episode. What we're going to do with this main topic is talk about two things. Uh, the first thing that came about is that Xbox, and we're kind of paraphrasing here, but Xbox has announced that throughout the entire first year. Saul's going to go pee-pee if you didn't hear that. Uh, throughout the first year of the Xbox uh, One, or the, sorry, the Xbox Series X uh, console lifespan, it will have no true exclusives in terms of to that platform. And of course, with the way that Microsoft's been doing things, that always includes Windows. But I guess what we should say is, for the first year, Every first-party game that comes out will not only be on the Xbox Series X, uh, but also on the Xbox One X, Xbox One S, and the original Xbox One. Um, so 
what that kind of does is brings back the idea that they were kind of hinting at for a long time, which is the idea of forward compatibility, where even when you release a new console that is capable of vastly better stuff than your base model, which was the original Xbox One, that had trouble even hitting 1080p on some games, uh, that you have a game that can not only go through that, but go through the newest 4K native box, but all the way back down to the 1080 box. So what gets really weird about that for a lot of people is the feeling that you, what you're buying isn't necessarily, and this is more of some of the things we've been seeing people say, is that you're if you opt into buying that day one, uh, you can certainly do that, but some of the incentive to get it for the games that are only available in, on it are somewhat gone. So the flip side of that is that you don't have to upgrade early and you can still have a one X and still get four K probably versions of these games in some fate, some shape or form and play them or go all the way back down to your original Xbox one and still play these games before eventually that one year in having to wait and play some of these games only on the one of the series X that naming conventions already getting me every now and then. Um, so where that comes in before we go too much further is I want to ask Saul something that kind of ties into something he said earlier in the episode, which is just a couple minutes ago, where you did not want cross-gen games because of the stigma that you have and the, PS the PTSD that you have from going into last gen. Yet, if I recall, you did not have any immediate problem with the Series X letting every one of the first party games that Microsoft does not only be on the Series X, but playable all the way back to the original Xbox One. Well, from what I know, we know Microsoft does a really good job of upscaling the games that are Xbox One X exclusive or whatever. I don't know what that's called. Whether it's like X, X, X enhanced or something. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, they, they do. A, a, I think that's probably what it is. Xbox One X enhanced. Yeah, they do a really fair job of that where we don't really see PlayStation doing that at all. So my mindset going into that is that since PlayStation Five is going to be my primarily my primary console, that we're not we don't have any info about that. Well, let's take it one step back because I'm a little confused by one thing you said. Okay. So, and I, I mainly just I'm, I'm wanting an example of what what you kind of mean. So you're you're saying that we don't see PlayStation scale their games as well. What do you, do you so okay? We don't know what we don't know PlayStation's plans or have an example of their scale. Okay. PS4 I, to PS4 Pro doesn't do a any really any major change in terms of a scale so we know that xbox when they have xbox enhanced x games they look better marginally better on the xbox x than the s so i know that going into the series x that they're going to look I think marginally is the wrong word for that marginally is more small oh uh, yeah so wait are, is it are you sure uh, yeah i mean here i'll, I'll google, google it for it, you google. while you uh if that's the case, the boy, I, it's emails that I used to work with, they were all sent out terribly incorrect. To only a limited extent, slightly. Okay. Well Otherwise, then, yeah. why would people who consider themselves to be minorities be marginalized? It's people. I've never okay. heard that. Okay. But anyways, but yeah, we've seen uh, we've seen that Xbox does a fairly good job of enhancing their games for each of their platforms. So I guess what I should say is that that's the one thing. Don't worry, they do a better job because or I should say this you see the fruits of their label labor a little bit more because the one X is a bigger jump from the base one S than the PS4 pro is, but you still see a significant jump on the PS4 pro to the original PS4. I wouldn't say now, significant. I mean, I, 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 do, I, don't, I don't play in 4k. You don't have a 4k TV. Yeah, you don't I, run HDR. So even, I think there's a, there's some difference. Even then there. textures and stuff that Xbox one yeah, X no, does yeah, is different run. for 1080p where yes, it for is. us, there is that scaling, which is not much compared to what it is on the Xbox. It is, it is, it is, it is, a 100% accurate thing to say that the Xbox One X is stronger 
yeah. and that the difference between S and X games is bigger than it is between PS4 and PS4 Pro. Yes. We don't know what PlayStation's plans are in terms of upscaling current-gen games um, to their PS5. We just know right now that PS4 games are backwards compatible. That's all we know. We don't yeah. know how well they're going to play compared. We don't know if there's... I'm, we're going to assume there's a boost mode because there's a boost mode on the Pro. Well, actually, so I, I don't know if you've seen this, and this has been... Digital Foundry confirmed this. So this is one thing that we can actually say for more or less concrete evidence, so one element can definitely be shifted, um, which is kind of the final numbers. Uh, in the report that was talking about the PlayStation 5 aiming for around 9.6 teraflops with mm-hmm. the information that they were able to extrapolate back down and see that that's what the target would be with these information we have um whereas the xbox series x is calling for everything 12? it would be 12 or 13 reportedly like uh so when you look at those two things um one of the things that they confirmed in that and they've confirmed with the people who said it, that this part is 100 percent true and not changing but the numbers and other stuff can change for what the teraflop output would be for the ps5 it's still variable i don't see but how that could change this what, late Oh, a lot of that can change via how how much you choose to uh, clock everything. Clock speeds, of course, have a big effect on that. Yeah, but this late, um, I feel like they already have a solid architecture set out to what they're going to shift with. Oh yeah, but the, uh, Xbox did a very late game change with the one at with the original one because the PS4 was was going to be more powerful, and to try and shorten that gap up, they decided to late minute up. So they can do the these kinds clock. of changes like within it's just a clock speed. You can do months. You can well, do, I know that, but I'm saying for anything they've already potentially built, because I'll have to go back into every chipset they have now. Well, all you have to do is just just an update. You don't have to replace it. It's just an update. I know, but you have to make sure that if that clock speed is running properly on every one of them. Yeah, and who knows? Because every card is different. It's a thing that they did. So moving into this one, and because we're still about a, you know, or close to a year out. Yeah, well, it's yeah, definitely yeah. possible Probably to change. No. Could be October. I'm sure, hoping, it could I'm be anything. for October, September. Uh, but going into that, the important part of what you're saying is that the way that it seems to work, and it doesn't mean that there won't be some games that get updates that let them benefit from the PS4 or PS5's power or a boost mode that you can optionally turn on but for absolute certain the they way, will run better the way that the PS4 Pro and PS4 works is that if you if you have any game that support a PS4 Pro on PS5 will automatically play with all PS4 Pro enhancements and the way it does that is by actually dropping all the target rates on the existing hardware that's on the PS5 mm-hmm. dropping that down to where it's at the exact levels that the PS4 Pro was that way it's a one to one it's no emulation it's a one to one playing playing yeah and then whenever it's a game that does not have PS4 Pro support it drops all the way back down to where its targets are the original PS4's targets that's the thing it's going to drop the targets down it, 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 we're going to exceed those targets on those original PS4 games. It's potential if there is a boost mode. We don't know See, about that yet, that's but the, the one thing. thing we for sure know is that the way that they're implementing this is not through some emulation. It's through making sure the console's running at the exact specs of yeah. the PS4 and, and, and that's was, just that's, that's which is going, just interesting. Yeah, and that's going off for me, myself, is that we know for sure that the Xbox X enhanced games are are a lot better than the, the base Xbox S games are, especially when you're playing on 4K. Yeah, absolutely. And so we know for sure. We don't know anything about Sony like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And realistically, I'm not talking about frame rates here because most of the games that, I, that I've that i been playing lately, I don't... God of War is not going to be 60 frames on Xbox or on the PS5. They, they're not going to change a game that drastically. That can mess with the game in tons of ways. There could be move speeds tied to frame rates. It could be a multitude of things. Well, God of War already has develop- an unlocked frame rate. Well, I'm saying unless the developer is specific. I'm just using that as, that as an yeah, example. Yeah, sure. There are um, games that will have effects Yes, with frame pacing. Uh, anything, but yes. Yeah, and it could... It, for those that don't know, games like Fallout 76 launched with this dumb, this incredibly error. Um, 
Uh, typically, when they have frame rate tied, they can have frame rate tied to things. Um, walk speed, movement speed, dialogue speed, stuff like that if they want to. So that if it ever becomes uncapped, which is not intended on consoles unless it's done by the, the developer. Um, Fallout 76 on PC had walk speed tied to your frame rate. Weird. PC has variable frame rate. People running at 244 hertz was walking faster than people walking at 60 frames. It's stupid. So luckily, developers on console side can... Well, I say that. Bethesda is a developer console. There's no excuse for that. It's just Bethesda <laughs> being the Bethesda. But uh, going back to what I was saying, though, is that last gen, there was games that could have performed way better due to the nature of the technology back then that didn't. That did not look better. Now, we're not going to have performing better as a, as a real big issue because 60 frames is now kind of the target that people are hitting. So they're going to try to hit 60 frames regardless. 4K to 1080p is going to be pretty much the target they're going to be trying to hit. Even then, back, back then, people at the end of the last gen were still using 720p TVs, all kinds of different things. 4K, yeah. like you could, you could relate it saying 30 frames and 720p to 1080 was the targets back then. They weren't hit. And the problem that they weren't hit is marginal, like I'll say it right this time, marginally lower for most people because it was rare to have a 720p TV on your PS3 back then. And if you were going to PS4, you typically didn't do that. Some people did. Marginal number, though. Whereas more people who were buying PS4 already had a 1080p TV. Okay, they yes. Didn't, it, didn't, yes. it didn't affect them as much. <clears throat> but that's where my grievances came with last gen. There was not, at launch, uh, a massive reason at all to, if I had the 360 running, which I did, to buy a game on PS4 and I could buy it on 360. The cool thing about this launch, that we know for sure for Xbox, I kind of hope something similar, uh, even though I doubt it, is that since Xbox is their main brand, a PS4 game launches that's going to be running really well on PS4 can easily be played on PS5, and we know that for sure. We just don't know how well, mm-hmm. but you know, or we Xbox, don't know how much better yeah, it'll yeah, be at yeah, least that's at the very say. base, the exact same. Yeah, but we don't know how much better. And, and, and that, go. and that's what I should say is that right mm-hmm. now, people were criticizing Xbox. Oh, you're not going to have any Series X specific exclusives, and that's where a lot of people lo- lose that that whole article is they think that Xbox is going to have no exclusives, which is yeah, not no, they're going to be on the system. And, and I actually made them the point to, to make sure that when I said it is that the, for the first year, any game that's also on series X yeah. will also just be playable on the Xbox right. one and, and the for, original. Xbox and it's one. what I was telling Blake in our discord. I think that's a fantastic move for consumers. It's not a great business move. He disagreed with me on that, but I, I, I don't think that it's a great business move in, in, in the main sense of end game numbers for the first year of the Series X. Yeah. Series X would have undoubtedly sold more console units if that was not a feature. But that's a terrible feature to have when you are a consumer. It does like what what Blake said, it doesn't pressure him to get one. It doesn't make him feel left out for not having one. You know, he can still play all these games that he wants to play without mm-hmm. having to worry about forking over money. Um, it, it, it works well. For PS4 to PS5, we know that all of our games, digital and physical, are going to carry over. We know that there's going to be launch titles, but we don't know what, which is what I'm going to be curious as to see what it is. We don't know the enhancements that the PS5 will make for PS4 games, especially games like Ghost and, and Last of Us I think 2. it's going to be game-specific. I don't think they're going to do it with every one of them. I think it's going to be a lot like the PS4 Pro was. There are plenty of games that released for PS4 that were exclusives that never saw PS4 Pro patches. 
Very true. Bloodborne. Yeah, Bloodborne never did. Yep. Uh, I think Ratchet and Clank did finally. Uh, it took a little bit longer. Um, if I Kills re- on Shadowfall never did. Well, the Order eighteen eighty six never did. Knack one never did either. No, Knack one did not. Um, so that's one thing. Which are launch games. games. These are mostly launch games. Kills yeah. on Shadowfall and Knack are launch games. But weirdly enough, Infamous Second Son got one. But it was that's, a good showcase title. That's not a launch game, was it? It was launch window. Window. It was. Uh, it came out in March. The fall. So four months into the console. Came out the same year as Bloodborne. Yeah. Same no, no, 14. Oh, okay. Bloodborne was 15. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I guess what I'm going there, and, and you know, just I want to present both sides of the argument in terms of where people are currently at. Uh, there are people that are, of course, don't care, but there are still people that have the general opinion. Even if they think that this is good for a lot of people, their opinion, and I understand it, is that when you have a set of hardware and where consoles have normally really excelled, is that you can get a game that looked as clean and good as The Last of Us did on the PS3 late generation when PCs were doing the same thing on really high-end rigs and this was just a little 200 300 box you could buy that could play that it's because of the benefits of single optimization i'll say though that is a little that's a little tilted nowadays it's more tilted nowadays because the ps4 is not even is no longer even one set of, of hardware so even if you're optimizing right now for a game that's a playstation exclusive you're still having to optimize for at least two chipsets because you have to optimize for base ps4 pro and for PS4, I mean base PS4 and PS4 Pro, uh, so it's, it's already to be tilted. Three chipsets for uh, well, and Xbox is already on kind of in a weird way. I, I would say no. Now that I think about it, because Xbox just uses a singular chipset, don't they? Well, no. The reason is because I mean the, the PS4 Pro uses the same chipset as the PS4. It's just everything's higher. Graphical systems are slightly different, but not enough to really make anything crazy. It's why it still runs all the games perfectly, yeah. even if they don't have PS4 Pro support. It's a isn't that what Xbox does? They use the same chip, chip, but they just have it clocked higher. Or do they actually have a full there's different chipset? There's set? some differences, but they're all Jaguar based CPUs, so the CPU is all the same. Okay. Now going into the what Xbox does differently, Xbox has got a slightly different setup based specifically around the fact that when they develop games, because they have to also run on PC, they use a, and I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's essentially an Xbox game dev thing that looks at, runs the whole game through, and it's like a, it acts as a, a bridge between the two. When you make the game, even though you're making it for PS, I mean for Xbox One, it, it is already playable on PlayStation, on, on PC. God, I'm bad with names today. <laughs> but when you make it for Xbox, it's already playable on PC. And then on top of that, you can go into the PC version and then enhance it further to be able to utilize more of the PC's benefits. But it has normally resulted in games like, uh, you remember I played Quantum Break on there on, on PC. So when I played it, most of the things you'd expect from a PC game because of this Xbox unified game um, engine or whatever thing, uh, it made it to where most of the game, uh, most of the features that you'd expect on PC, being able to radically change your frame rate, your uh, resolution, your field of view, all that was not there. Uh, They've gotten better with that, and the games that are built on this have a lot more consistency. Part of that's because now they have a base console that they're making for that can run in 4K, so there's more of a reason to want to be able to run through and scale that way. But... I played a game recently that had an FOV slider on console. I was really surprised. Uh, it, might, it might have been Outer Worlds. It uh, was Outer Worlds, yeah. yeah. I didn't use it, but I knew it was there. Yeah, I, I definitely turned it all at 120. Yeah. Uh, but still, 
where I was trying to go with this originally is uh, one of the things we know is that PlayStation have already said that there will be PS5 exclusives. That's always been their thing. Of course, thing. yeah. But what, what PS, the, basically where the two companies differ right now and essentially where it's going to be like, you don't have to make a decision. This is just what the two options are. And you can, of course, always do, do the thing that has been available for a long time. You can choose to do both. Uh, if you want to buy the new Series X or buy an Xbox One X or an Xbox One or whatever, you can play any of the Microsoft exclusives that are going to be releasing all the way through the first year of the Series X, even if you don't own the Series X. Um, on the PlayStation side, though, Microsoft is choosing to do this thing where you can... It's unified. It's unified and, and it's forward compatibility. It's trying to have your game be playable on the largest number of devices as possible. Now, with that comes a little bit harder of a thing where you're having to build something that scales between them, but it'll never perfectly, perfectly optimize to that one thing. PlayStation instead goes, hey, what we like to do is push the technical boundary as much as we possibly can within our own games, our own studios, within our own system to go, hey, since we're only making for the PlayStation 4 and now the PlayStation 4 Pro, we're going to push those two chipsets to their absolute max because we're not having to worry about PC or Xbox or Xbox One S, Xbox One X. Uh, so when you go through that, it lets them sit there and try and sap every last bit of power out. Sony's always wanted to do that. It's the way that they do things. We saw it with the PS3. Uh, very, very seldom do they choose to do um, games that are not specifically exclusive. We saw them do it with a couple of games that they tried doing the cross-play idea with the Vita, but they didn't last very long, and it was very few games. So when you look at it from that standpoint, Sony looks at it and says, we want The Last of Us 2 to be the absolute best-looking game we can get. So in need of that, we only are going to make it for this system. So going into the PS5, they say, let's just throw out a, a random, it's not really, but let's just say Killzone 4. Whatever, that's what it's going to be, right? Killzone 4 comes out. They say, hey, we could make this game completely playable on the PS4 and the PS4 Pro and the PlayStation 5. But instead of doing that and having a game that's slightly less optimized for the PS5 than it otherwise could be, let's focus all of our attention on this one, on this one thing so that we push this game to the absolute best potential spot that we can at this point in its life system with as much as we understand. And you have a game that typically does, and I'll give this to Sony, more often than not, their exclusive te push the technical boundary in a way that Microsofts tend not to. It's yeah. just a difference in the way that they choose to do things, and it all comes down to a business decision. Sony's banking on the fact that pushing that technology far and being one of the only people that are doing that <clears throat> is going to get them uh, a higher spot in the minds of some consumers, and clearly it works for them, on top of the fact that they are trying to follow the traditional business of if we make something that seeks out and uses every last bit of power on this new hardware and it can only be played on that new hardware because of that, it's going to drive people to our new hardware quicker than otherwise. Uh, and so Sony's banking on wanting to move more units early in the lifespan, where Microsoft's a little less worried about early in the lifespan and more worried about keeping a good outward face in the PR. And I'm not saying that they're only doing it for that, but it's clearly a benefit. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a so really big, like, it's a really bold move, honestly. What they lose up front in the console, they gain back in goodwill. So that once they actually do go, hey, now that this first year is done, we're not going to extend that. And who knows? They could. But for right now, they could at the end of that first year of the Series X say, we're no longer going to extend that. We are going to make every Xbox game that we make moving forward only work for the Series X. But we wanted to support our other consoles for as long as we could. Well, what's crazy is the attitude like that, the adaptive controller, we're kind of seeing a different Microsoft than we have in the past 10 years. Yeah. I honestly think that, me, that in this generation, at some point, there is going to be a change that clicks or they're going to keep on with these changes that in, in a, such a higher manner 
that they're that no longer PlayStation and Xbox will be comparable. Like PlayStation and Nintendo are comparable. I already think that the Xbox is at that point. It's um, getting there for sure, but like right now with with what we have with the Xbox One X and then the PS4 Pro and then now the Series X and the PS5, we're getting to that point where it's the start of a console war. And what's crazy is if you remember back way back when, everybody used to compare the GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. They were all on even normal playing grounds with each other. They were all part of the same war. Nintendo shortly after that just slept out of it. Now it was always Xbox and PS uh, PS4 or Xbox and PS3. I think that soon enough Xbox is going to slip out of it, and there will no there won't be a reason to argue on consoles anymore because it's all deliberate at that point. Yeah, it's not about, I think you have a specific spot with where Nintendo's at. You have a specific yeah. spot with where Xbox at, and then Sony. I put that ends up being the king of the traditional console method, and the only people that choose to still utilize it. And it makes sense because at that point, there's because of the other people bowing out and doing their own thing, it becomes that there's really only room for the tr- for one in the traditional marketplace, which actually benefits most consumers by the fact of you're not having to deal with that fight across. Well, and, I, and I, I put that in our Discord the other day was, I think that it's a very fair and accurate thing to say that Nintendo is best known for their handheld, their, their current handhelds um, with their good first-party games, with indie titles that typically hit Nintendo first instead of other consoles. And... Microsoft is known for the best services around and the most powerful. If you want a powerful console without a PC and you don't care about story games, and then Sony is known for their best exclusives. Meanwhile, they don't have any services that are exactly remarkable. From a from an objective standpoint, yeah, the numbers standpoint. Again, we always talk about PS Now outperforming Xbox Games Pass. Is a, it was almost always going to happen because you have that you much have more, bigger, no, yeah, of an yeah install that base. bigger user base. But it's that, still interesting. I almost, I would, I would argue that I, I think that most people will admit that PS Now is not as good as Games Pass. Though what's weird about that is I've never, I don't know why I didn't think about that until just now. As much as Games Pass on the console side has a smaller market because of the units, on the PC side, there's almost no excuse now that they're on Xbox Ultimate Games Pass with PC. That only came out this year. Yeah, so but we won't know. A, yeah, that's we won't an know until what was it, of, June. Who knows? Didn't they? Didn't that launch in in e3 mm-hmm. okay so yeah. we'll, we'll we'll have a full user base for and i know i know that it's getting a fair share of users on it too because sure. in the uh pc master race subreddit they're always they're they're i see active conversations about that yeah, yeah. um it's but, just interesting that even the most recent numbers still put PS Now ahead of it. But PS Now also came out so much ahead that it's just had more time to build subscribers that may have stayed. Yeah. It's just that's part of it and too. It could be like me where you forget to cancel your Hulu account, it's still just going. Yeah. Even though I will say I, I got That's Hulu. way too expensive to forget about though. Well, I got Hulu Live now, which is way too expensive. Yeah. Um I mainly got that for football. But thank, right, hey, well, thank you. I got one more game. Let's go into this with the idea of and we've already kind of started on it, but predictions for what we see PlayStation doing differently from what we see Microsoft doing so far. I don't think we're going to see PlayStation do anything differently. I think we do in one particular way, uh, or actually a couple particular ways. So my first thing kind of ties back into a bit of the news. Uh, I actually do think that there's a high chance that Sony will not be at E3 in the sense of a conference. I hate I it. I do think what will happen in regards to that is that I don't think Sony will again skip out on the E3 show floor. I think that with the PS5 coming and with the fact that we are likely to hear about it before E3, that even if they choose not to have a conference at E3, I do think what they'll be at E3 in the sense of letting people in the press and also general players mess with the PS5. For me, it is one of those things that I actually, Blake said it, I actually agree with him. It seems like Jim Ryan's coming off cocky, not wanting to do E3 anymore. 
And I feel like that that is a really big wasted potential for them to show off new hardware, new games for that hardware to the masses instead of just the people who go there and pay the money for their ticket, plane rides and stuff like that. It's also a fun time of the year too, in which we all get to see, you know, Nintendo, Microsoft, E3 or E3, EA, uh, you know, everybody hit it out of the park most most of the time sometimes with the stuff they show where playstation's absent last year felt weird without them this year it's just it's gonna feel weird again especially having a new console there it really to me feels like that would be so much wasted potential but and here's and here's my issue with it is before you go on i want to say one thing uh-huh. it's just in regard to your very first statement as much as I know Jim Ryan is a, con- a controversial figure for a lot of people because of how he's been in the past, I'm not going to put the fact that they're not at E3 on him. The, con- the decision to continue moving forward with it may be on him. When did, you he, take, say that. When did he take the helm of PlayStation over? Um, back when, um, uh, when... Oh, what's his name? It's, it's another Yoshida. Um, but anyway... Back, back late 2018? Uh, yeah, but it, they had already skipped E3 before that. That announcement was already made. That came from the that I don't whether that or not it was made on the corporate that, level. That came when he was not president. It was when Kenichiro whatever. I think that uh, was, was that there. announcement not made in March. No, that was made well before that. Are you sure? Absolutely. I felt like that. I, I felt like that announcement was only months ahead of actual EA or E3. No, but even then, it was. Um, Jim Ryan did not become, and I could probably look it up. Jim Ryan did not become head of PlayStation. He was the he was the deputy vice president, oh. um, but he was not president. And then they ended up switching him and Kenicho Yoshida uh, sometime in 2019 after they had already skipped an E3 and skipped a PSX. Well, I sh- I'll that say would this not way, be entirely though. on him because what I and I only say that is we don't know exactly who it was. So all I'm gonna say right now is it was PlayStation as a whole who decided I'll, against. I'll, him. I'll, I'll change my statement to this then and say play. He's at the helm. So I'm, I'm trying not to him. give him. Head where he doesn't deserve it when he's had moments where he's gotten hate where he did deserve it. I'm trying to keep well, those problem, clearly right? he's, across he's like, from each other. He's almost like PlayStation's Maddox yeah. in my eyes, and I don't like him. He's not that bad, thankfully. I haven't heard him say that if you want... <laughs> oh, it's kind of bad. <laughs> backwards compatibility. We, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to play old games, and here we are. Backwards yep. compatibility on PlayStation 5. Pretty- then again, I also like that Regardless of what the reasoning is, because of the fact that he's now having a system coming out under his helm that has backwards compatibility, he's kind of having to eat the crow of what he said. Whereas Maddox never really had to face the music other than just getting fired. <laughs> you mean he left, quote unquote? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, Go ahead, though. But I do think that um, I do think that for me, E three is a very important thing as a consumer to see. I, I and this year, you know, people said. Uh, they were they were laughing at, at Microsoft not having any Series X launch exclusives launch exclusives for their console in the first year, saying, "Oh well, even if they did, it'd only be three games, anyways." Oh, you mean like Days Gone and Death Stranding? What else? What else was a big AAA hit this year for PlayStation? Those are it, pretty yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, AAA. Because I mean, there was some small games uh, that were good. There I mean, will I'm, not, be I'm not going to give small them games. any crap. Pixel Opus is. Uh, Concrete Genie looks great. Still haven't had a chance to play it. Right. Uh, they but did I'm a couple saying, of other things in the first party studio. In a triple like A head, and whatnot. In a AAA yeah. headspace, and this is actually was MLB the show. You can never you can never underestimate that game because of how well it does. Uh, for now, we'll see. We'll see next year <laughs> when it's on Xbox. No, I'm sure it'll even do better. I'm really I'm not. Um, it's, it's a good game. But my thing is, is that mm-hmm. and I started this conversation in Discord the other day, but I got busy at work and I couldn't finish it. Was that People don't understand that the gaming gap now for exclusives are going to be so long from singular studios. And I mean that in terms of when we get a Naughty Dog game, 
it's going to be a long while before we get another AAA Naughty Dog game. So do you mean on the PlayStation side or on both sides? On both sides. Creating 4K native games with 4K textures takes so much long in terms of the design, the rendering, the processing. Everything about 4K takes double the time as 1080p does in terms of that. I was actually watching a really good video about graphic design. I'd want to see that because that's actually interesting to me. I don't really know why using a bigger base thing would do. It's all about about processing each game size and how long it takes them to manufacture them on Blu-ray disc and how many Blu-rays that could print out before or after it's gone gold so they can have shipping numbers to ship. It's going to take longer and especially studios at the helm too think about it uh from this perspective there's been multiple indie games come out that are native 4k games easy peasy games for those developers it's going to be the same thing for naughty dog but the thing is and i'm just using Naughty Dog as an example but the thing is is that these games the the more and more they get the the more massive these games hit the market with with stories in them or multiplayer it's it's no longer going to be the same kind of estimated wait time of a year. It's going to go longer than that. Think of how long it's taking them to make the base of Final Fantasy VII, a game that got restarted three years ago. Think of how long it's taking them to make The Last of Us Two, a game that we know started at least four years ago. And we still don't have the game yet. Ghost of Tsushima, we don't know when. We know it was after Second Sun at some point, yeah. which was been five years ago. Mm-hmm. Detroit, three years minimum for that game. Yeah. These games are going to take longer and longer to make, and well, we're not in a we're not in a cycle right now either. In which it would be fun if the if there was I say conflicting, but off cycle studios from like we could say we got let's say Detroit and Days Gone this year, and then next year we would have had Spider Man and God of War hit or something like that. Like we're not in a cycle in which when one studio puts out something, another studio will put something out shortly after. We just finished up with all these games releasing in the past two years, which means you could estimate about three year difference between the next game from any of these studios coming out. The Last of Us is what we have next gen. We might get something like NAC three. We and I mean next next gen next year. Um, Last of Us Ghost. What else? Like that's what I can't predict is what we're going to get games wise. They're taking mm-hmm. so long to make now. You know, Final Fantasy VII is obviously a thing too that we could kind of predict as well. Is is when are we going to get that? They already said it's going to take about as long. So are we looking at sixteen to eighteen months of being made? That's a year and a half to almost two years. Yeah. For for a second part, games are going to take so long to come out that there needs to be something a feature that that these console manufacturers need to have that is a bonus for multi uh, platform games. And I think that's where Sony's going to hit it hard with their SSD that I really want to see is that the loading times, um traveling stuff like that. I see what on, you're saying, how the features ex- affect the third party. Yeah. Okay, I got and you. then the yeah. and then the Xbox One X is going to maybe have higher frame rates or maybe series unlock X. or Series X. What I say? And One X. Oh, I've yeah. been doing it too. Uh but unlock frame rates for native 4K, something like that for Xbox. You're going to get a more powerful experience on Xbox. You may get a more seamless experience on PlayStation. But that's the problem, right? We don't know. We haven't had an inkling of information about PlayStation except the time we got these stuff about the SSD come out. Nothing from them, at least. We have so many speculations right now that, hey, we know it's going to run um, PS4 games. That's it. So mm-hmm. my... This is this and this is all leading up to why what my one of my expectations is for this. And it's something I've talked about before, and it's loud of left field because I've revised it a little in my head. Okay. Blue Point is not working on a PlayStation 3 emulator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Blue Point is now working on something that, in my mind, I'm going to call PlayStation Classics. Every game that they they have, it's had inklings of Demon Souls, inklings of Metal Gear Solid, inklings of Castlevania. Every game they teased in their little thing. All big PlayStation games. I think that they're going to be scooped up by Sony, and that games that are loved by Sony from the PlayStation Three Gen the PlayStation 2 gen, the PlayStation 1 gen, all those games that have high regards, Demon Souls, Metal Gear Solid 4, you know, on PlayStation 2, we could go all the way back to Legacy of Kane. We could have God of War 1, God of War 2, God of War 3, Killzone, Resistance, all these games remade by Bluepoint from the ground up. It's a lot of games. It is, but the way they're tweeting, it has me thinking either I'm going to be able to play all those games Due to emulation software they're making, they're not software engineers. They are game developers. So why would they be the ones making the software? They're the ones that are going to be rele- releasing these games specially tagged by them, Sony exclu- or Sony Selects or something. Instead of getting the, the what was it uh, the uh, the old platinum hits mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. PlayStation Select. What was PlayStation called? Was it Platinum Hits? Greatest Hits. Greatest it's Hits. It's always been Greatest Hits. Platinum uh, Hits was Xboxes. Okay. Okay. So instead of getting those uh, made up by them, Blue Point is going to go to Sony and say, hey, you know, it's been a while since people played God of War 1 through 3. Well, no, that hasn't been a while. Um, it's been a while since people played Resistance. We're going to remake Resistance. Give us a budget. They get the game made, and then bam, comes out in a, in a, in a say, a, a red case or something, or, or something different, or labeled specifically as, hey, this is a PlayStation Select game remade by Blue Point. They did it for Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, but they didn't... I guess it the did. weird thing about that is the branding. Yeah, that's just something in my head. Who knows? That that, that would happen. I, I mean, that sounds just a little too ambitious, though. If if Sony does move forward with acquiring Bluepoint, I would think that there's more to what you're saying. With a, with a higher budget um, and, and a more team, they can knock games like that out quicker. Yeah, even then, though, I think... <clears throat> how long one of the things that you're saying... Shadow of the Colossus? A year? Two uh, years? A year and a half, something like that. Um, but... Anyway, whenever we're dealing with that, I need to tighten the bolt on this thing or something. Is that one dropping on you? Yeah, but I have the spring a little looser because uh, I thought I'd want that. Apparently not. Um, anyway, um, with what they're going on, a lot of what you're saying is mirroring what Sh- Sean Layden was already saying is that at least on the PlayStation exclusive sides, from an individual team standpoint, at the very minimum, you're going to see longer in between them. And what gets weird about that is like Naughty Dog was traditionally always one team. And they made Uncharted 1, 2, and 3, two years apart from each other. Uh, Insomniac had one team that made Insom- uh, that made Resistance 1, Resistance 2, and Resistance 3, two years apart from each other. Um, very, very common thing. Infamous 1 to Infamous 2, two years apart from each other. Um, the PS3 was all about iterating on franchises more quickly with still having quite big jumps between them. You notice that across all of them. Uncharted 1 was kind of like, people liked it, but Uncharted 2 was where the big jump took place. And then you saw Uncharted 3, of course. And then an Infamous 1, a lot of people loved the game, and then Infamous 2 brought the technology way up in a two-year period. And it was kind of wild. But what they're talking about now is giving their games a bigger scope, bigger scale, longer time to make sure that it hits a specific number uh, i don't necessarily know if that's for better or worse because i do think that some of the best times that we ever saw but it did create a lot of crunch i'm imagining was when those teams were like hey we need to get this done in a two-year period and the innovation that can come from trying to do something a lot better and a lot unique in a two-year period the 
and, and I just know from like whenever I do stuff too, when you get a weird sense of stress, but it's a creative stress, it can lead you to doing some pretty cool stuff. I got weird last night and was like, I'm stressed about the song being nowhere. And I recorded the second half of this song all last night, but it comes down to you. Sometimes you end up with great ideas due to being pressed for time. I understand that from a work standpoint, and if it's letting these co- these companies have people who are not constantly having to grind and crunch and stay to get a game out on a time limit, there's a lot of benefits for that. Uh, but it comes with the potential sacrifice and all the other stuff they're talking about doing. Uh, it comes with the potential sacrifice of the games coming out and still doing a lot of great things and making a lot of great changes in a shorter time period. Uh, that's the biggest difference between this generation. A lot of the games that you mentioned, though, I find it interesting are all, uh, uh, most of them were new IP or IP that were so drastically changing that it was more or less a new IP. So God of War kind of goes into that. Yeah. God of War was not iterating on the same basic idea that lets you go, yeah, we can iterate on this and get new graphics and make a couple of changes in a two-year time frame uh, or a two- or three-year time frame. Instead, it's, hey, we have to rebuild this game from the ground up new, you know, with a new engine, new tech, and a completely new play style and, and change the way that we're choosing to do some stuff. And then what ends up happening there is that it takes longer because it's, it's something that's so drastically new. Horizon Zero Dawn takes five years to make because it's a new idea, and with a new idea comes a lot of fleshing out. And so where the PS3 was constantly about less new IP uh, throughout the middle of the generation, a lot of that happened at the beginning of the generation, you saw sequels of that IP throughout the generation. This generation, we've seen a lot of new IP with essentially none of the new IP having a sequel this generation besides Knack. So yeah. the weird difference there is that we're already seeing these games take longer, but we're also seeing Sony do what seems to be making almost every developer expand into either two teams or expand their one team to a point where they could more easily get a game out in a reasonable time. But they're still trying to set the expectation that you're not going to see a game from these studios necessarily every two years. Uh, or I should say team. Because if you have the team at Gorilla that's saying, okay, we made Horizon Zero Dawn, and then there's a second team at Gorilla that's making a PS5 kill zone, just again, guess, I'm not saying that's true, well, then we get PS5 kill zone, right? And then that's a game within about a three year period. And then two years later, we see Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Okay, well, now we're seeing a game from the studio every two years, but the team within the studio changes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, that's, that's obviously going to be the case for yeah. most of this and too. like the purchasing of insomniac multiple teams right you get the benefit of going okay uh one team in insomniac can make a ratchet and clank game every four years but then and the, so we come out with that and then two years later insomniac comes out with new spider-man and then two years after that the other team that worked on ratchet and clank is now making a resistance reboot or something yeah I'm not saying it's, it'll happen that way but it gives the ability to let studios still release games on a two-year basis but the teams will change and it may not be that you'll see two years being the same franchise like you did with uncharted Instead, it'll be, you're always going to get a game from them, but it may be um, two years between uh, The Last of Us and Uncharted 4, and then two more years until Uncharted, uh, until The Last of Us 2, where it's four years between The Last of Us 1 and The Last of Us 2, uh, and which is not what's going on, by the way. It's been six. But my point being is that if that happens, it'll feel a little bit more like, okay, well, I'm getting a Naughty Dog game every two years. And if they can get the talent to make that happen... It's a great way to go forward with it. Yeah. But a couple more of my general predictions. Like I said, I do think that we'll see PlayStation at E3 in some form. Whether or not it's with a press conference, I'm unsure. I actually kind of think that PlayStation might be there this year, but I think that PlayStation may be more 
more selective about when they choose to and not to be at E3. I think if they know they have a slow year and there's not much to announce, they're going to be clear and say, hey, we have a, we don't have as much that we're ready to announce just yet, so we're not going to be at E3. I would assume this is not the year, though. I would assume the same. I do agree with that. I think it'd be weird to say they're not going to be here this year. The only way that I'll say that is if Sony's not at E3 proper, but their flip around is that they're no longer using E3, but instead doing what some of the other companies are where they're taking advantage of the E3 week, but they're not being part of E3 itself. So they're going to have their own, uh, what do you want to call it? Their own keynote that happens that's technically at their own event. Uh, and whether it's a direct or whether it's actually at its own venue that's just not tied well, to E3, see, we who thought, knows? We thought after E3 not happening, PSX would surely happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's why we, it goes to say, who knows with what's going on right now. Uh, you know, you talk about PSX not happening. I, I don't know if you're like me where I only want PSX to happen on a fan base thing. I think a lot of people wanted PSX to happen as a supplement for E3 where there's new announcements. But obviously no, you would think they would take announce. money saved on E3. and like You don't have to announce tons of games for it to be a fan service thing. It can yeah, still sure. be a fan meetup. You can have indie, indie uh, showcase on the floor. You sure. can have other games on yeah, the floor. That's exactly what I want. tournaments. You could do unlimited amount of things. Um, but it's still... To me, really negative. They chose not to even do that. Yeah, I agree with that too. Uh, but going on from there, I do think that we're going to see like very similar to your thing. My thing is, I do think we see PS One and PS Two uh, be an emulation or just in general, we're going to see PS One and PS Two games run on PS Four um, or PS Five. Now, whether that's through a digital format where Sony has to reacquire licenses to some of these games, I don't know, uh, or if it's going to be disc based, which would be a little harder to pull off. It would be, um, it, I think it'd be impossible, actually, without having two disk drives. It wouldn't be impossible. Uh, I mean, the PS3, of course, did it. It's just that discs are so much more rare. A lot of people are going to like the feature more if they can get those games digitally. Absolutely. Uh, it's, and PS2 the same way. You go buy, PS3 is the iffy one. I'm unsure. You go buy, a, like, let's say you go to a game exchange and you buy a copy of uh, Zone of the Enders 1, even though there's a remake of that. But you go buy a Zone of the Enders 1 PS2 disc. Nine times out of ten, that disc is scratched to hell. Sure. It's a PS2 disc that's 15 to 20 years old <clears> at this point. You, and it's been passed to a secondhand used game shop. Uh, I have another one real quick uh, that I'm curious to see what you think about it. So we've seen PS Plus kind of slow down, right? And it got to be a weird point where when PlayStation decided to introduce PS Plus, it was a real boon for them. And they were going out of their way to make sure great games were in it and that games were that were not that old were already being used. Uh, in it like we got the Tomb Raider reboot like uh, four months after it came out five months maybe uh, very interesting choice to do and then when the PS4 started it was a strong it was a strong start we got two games from we got to the point where it was two games for PS3 two games for PS Vita and two games for PS4 every month which is quite impressive now that that's kind of scaled back I think what they might be doing is aiming to launch PS Plus just as strongly on the PS5 uh, and maybe keep that going more. So what I think we're going to see is continue to get two games per month for PS4. And we'll either get two games a month for PS5 that start off as indie titles, just to give you something to play that are still games that they partnered with. Or we see that change to one game a month, but it's always a AAA game. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling like it's somewhere in there. It's going to be one of the things we see from a feature site, from a, well, from a service-based standpoint, or that they want to tie into the system. Uh, and the other way they might do that is if there is PS1 and PS2 emulation, that they can buoy it by doing one PS5 game of any caliber, indie or whatever, two PS4 games, and then PS1, PS2, or PS3 games being included back into it as a, hey, now that you can play all these games on one console, we're going to start giving you some great games that you may have missed on PS2 
that you can play. Yeah. Kind of like what we're seeing Xbox do right now with their games with gold, where they're giving 360 games now because they didn't do that during the 360 gen, really, but they started doing it during the one generation because of backwards compatibility. It's a great way to do that, get people playing games that they may, not, they may otherwise not have played, and it promotes your backwards compatibility in a way that brings people to use it more easily because they go, I don't have to pay any money. Here's a game I've never played. It's old. It lets me use backwards compatibility, see what it's like, see how well it runs, and I'm out nothing but a little bit of time. Yeah. So I think that that's a big one. <clears throat> My last one is that I'm, I'm a little curious. I think that with the move towards making PS Now even more, the only reason I'm, I'm iffy on this one is they just made PS Now what I would consider affordable, uh, very affordable. I think that it would be really interesting if going into the PS5, we see them roll PS Now and PS Plus into one service, one cost. Whether it's still $60 or not, I don't know. That would be, for me, a, a no-go. It, it would be a lot like the idea behind Games Pass Ultimate. Well, that, you the, know what I mean? The problem with that, though, is, is that Games Pass Ultimate um, is optional because there's multiple Games Pass plans. Oh, I, I, I Are you say saying that, you want this to be an optional plan? Yes. Okay, then yeah, yeah I, I, I don't, agree. I, don't mean, I, mean, I you thought you still... meant like they're going to have to throw now into PS Plus. No. I'm like, because I'm not um, paying 20 bucks a month to not have not use now. No, no, no. And okay. I, I do specifically mean in the ability that PS Plus will always remain as its own thing. Okay, good. Then but yeah, if you want, I, but I would, you can pull them together for a cheaper price. We talked about that before. I yeah. wouldn't mind a discounted PS Now. Uh, PS Now to me, really, is like realistically, there's not a lot on there that I would care to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and until, like, they, I don't understand why they haven't done with the Microsoft route and just like, hey, try PS Now a dollar a month. Like that, it, I don't know. It would, it I would think greatly benefit them for that. I, I don't know. I mean, they may look at it from if they're already on top of the competition until they start seeing pressure. They don't want to do that. I, I, I guess so. Or it may be, and, and we might see that now that they're doing the rotating games thing. Well, it's, um, it's crazy because you know when they were having every game stay on the service forever, it was a little different because it cost a lot. Well, they 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 adapted <clears throat> rotating games too. Yeah, which is what Xbox does, and they're it's, still keeping some evergreen games. So it's 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 hard to say. I, I really don't know. Do you know what's crazy? Let me know in the Discord if you use PS Now. For as for as many numbers as it has in terms of active users, I don't know a single person other than you that uses it. Well, I don't even use it much. Well, I, I know it, but, that, yeah. that was me just being um, generous. Was just saying the one yeah, part. I know one I, person, but I still like it. Um, you know what I really think is I have a feeling that this actually is for areas. I think it does better in, t- in territories across uh, overseas that. Like a, a couple of countries did not really have much in the way of PS2 or PS3 gaming. Yeah. And now that they have gaming on PS4 or on computer, they have the ability to stream these games. I actually think that the service might actually be more popular outside of the primary markets. Well, we have friends be, of the show who listen, so I want to let, let them yeah, let sure. us know. Discord or on Twitter. There you go. What's the community's take? Our community's take is going to be with <laughs> the PS5. Uh, do, would you rather, even though we already know what it's going to be, would you have rather Sony adopted the Xbox model of letting the exclusives for the next few years be playable also on PS4? Or do you enjoy the fact that they are going to go through and make an, an actual PS5 exclusive game uh, or games? Uh, let us know over on social media. We will hit you up with it. Saul's doing a little dance, making a little love, getting uh, down tonight. Getting down tonight. Getting down tonight. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and get going for our other show, but we appreciate you guys, and we will see you next week. Thank you all. Brett, tell them the patrons. All right. 
Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Blow, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Solitary Red, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Dylan Kirby, and Sand Coffin. If you would like to support the show in any way, go over to patreon.com slash nartech and see what we've got. Thank you.